<laughs> and um, let's see, what else do I have to do? I have to change the view. I have to turn off non-video participants so we don't show for everybody else. Okay. Is there a screen share or anything? Do you have to give? No, there's no uh, screen no. share this time. Should be all good. Yep. So we're all good. Cool. Okay. All right. Sounds good. Good luck, everyone. Excited to hear what you guys have to say. Thank you. Thank you. We're just going to wait a few more minutes to let people get in and then we'll get started. just came in. We're just going to wait one more minute and then we'll get started. Hi, everybody, and welcome to episode eight of What Cause Inspires You. I'm your host, Alicia Gupta, and today I have with me sisters, Kajal and Kanchan. I launched One, What Cause Inspires You podcast as a way for students to share the service they're doing in their communities. We encourage youth like these girls who are making a change to improve the world, to speak up about their stories and become a leader in the movement. Kajal and Kanchan are both graduates and instructors of Air Dance Academy and have used their dance training to fundraise thousands of dollars for causes such as Black Lives Matter movement and COVID-19 rehabilitation. Kajal graduated from UC Davis and was awarded the Outstanding Senior Award for her academic, professional, and leadership accomplishments. Through ASB's Community Committee, Relay for Life, and MSJ's Bollywood team Ishara, Kunchin spent much of her high school career using the arts 
to make a difference in the causes she is passionate about. We are recording this presentation and we'll post the video on YouTube by Saturday and the audio on Spotify by Friday. And a quick shout out to everyone in the audience from California, as these girls are locals too. All right, are we ready? Yeah, awesome. we're good. <laughs> Thank you so much so, for having us. Yeah, of course. We're super excited. Um, we can get started by asking how you heard about this podcast and what actually made you sign up as speakers. Yeah, so I've been following Alicia and her work for a while, and I've always just been so inspired by what you do, even though I didn't know you personally, like your work with Humanity Rising and Needed But Forgotten and countless other organizations like your impact on this community at such a young age is honestly really inspiring. So when you reached out to us to be on this podcast, like there was no, there's no way we could turn it down. Like you're, you're thank you. That means so much. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's great because honestly, the purpose of this podcast is to get like-minded individuals like both of us who are actually super passionate about making change in the community and give you guys a platform to speak about the change you are making. So you guys are both dancers. How did you start dancing? I honestly, <laughs> I think our parents put it, or my parents put me into dance at a really young age because I was crazy as a child and I just needed somewhere to put my energy. And I think immediately I fell in love. I loved being on stage. I loved taking class. And I think when she was born, she was just kind of forced into it too. Yeah. She didn't really have an option. But I think both of us, as soon as like we started taking class, we fell in love with dance for really different reasons. And um, we started off doing Indian classical dance, and we start, and then we kind of branched into different styles like contemporary jazz, um, hip hop, and I think right now what we really use dance as is a way to kind of identify, uh, like merge both of our identities, our South Asian identities, or like Western identities. It's been a really long and really incredible journey. And yeah, I don't know what we'd be without it. Yeah, um, like Kajal said, I honestly had no interest in doing dance at all. It was kind of just like, your sister's a dancer, so now you're gonna be a dancer too. Like, I hated my first class. I came out of it crying, because I was like, I don't wanna do this as a five-year-old. And honestly, for a long time, dance was just a hobby. But I think it was when I entered high school that I really started finding a connection in dance. And like, as we went to really competitive high school and the stress levels got really high. So at times that I felt super overwhelmed, I could just turn to dance. And all of a sudden, like as cliche as it may sound, all of my stress kind of just disappeared. Like I could just choreograph or just learn a random piece from YouTube that I liked and I just felt so in my element and when I started leading like homecoming air bands and our Bollywood team like I just knew that this was something I wanted to do for the rest of my life. Awesome I think my brother can definitely relate with the fact that once I started dancing he was kind of roped into it but <laughs> on a more serious note um, yeah I think the merging of the identities is definitely a big part and dance has clearly shaped um, both your high school and for Kajal your college experience so how in specific has your dance studio shaped your dance journey and inspired you to make an impact with this cause? Yeah, so we um, grew up at Aerodance Academy, which is located in Fremont, 
and um, in Newark. Newark, sorry. <laughs> and our instructor, Ranjini Manda, she kind of instilled in us from a really young age that dance is more, can be more than just a hobby, and that the dance studio can be more than just a place where you learn dance. So from like the time that I stepped into the studio, she kind of made me realize that dance can be, it can serve me in whatever way I need it to serve me. And for me, it was, um, you know, a form of self-expression, self a form of storytelling. And it was really powerful for me. And just being in that like studio environment, um, our dance teacher really focused on empowerment and self being able to empower both yourself and the people who are around you. So that I think was super important to us growing up. And she really emphasized the importance of like creativity and artistry. In our dance studio, we have this program where every year there's like a handful of students who are selected to graduate. And what you do when you graduate is you create your own solo, that choreography that expresses who you are as a dancer. So she really emphasized artistry and being able to, I guess, find your voice as not, not only a choreographer and a dancer, but like as a person through the art of dance. So she had, and just being in her studio, being in that environment she created had a really powerful impact on the way we see dance today. So we're super grateful to have grown up in that kind of studio environment. Yeah, definitely. And especially for me, I've always been very timid and awkward and kind of just always afraid to step out and make my voice heard. So growing up in an environment like that where empowerment and humility and helping others were so instilled in us, it really helped me bring out my confidence in some ways. Like people always say like, like, oh, like when I'm dancing, I find myself. And I used to think that was the cheesiest thing in the world, but I used to say that to her and she was like, whatever. <laughs> but honestly, I found through my experiences that it's so, so true. Like it has really enabled me to be a leader in ways that I never thought I was capable of. And I'm so grateful to Ranjini Auntie for helping me find that inside of me. That's amazing. And I can definitely attest to the fact that dance does portray a story, not only for the audience, but for the person performing it, whether it's a team or a solo. Um, but honing back to the idea of you guys both feel different feelings while dancing, um, how is your dance journey taking you both in different directions? Yeah, so like I said, I think for me, like the reason I fell in love with dance in the first place is um, that storytelling aspect of it and just going on stage performing and making the audience feel something was something that I like really resonated with me from I probably like the first time I stepped on stage and I don't even remember when that was but um, being able to express yourselves in, in ways that maybe words like can't that was one of the most important aspects one of the, it was one of the most important things that dance gave me growing up and it was something that I wanted to continue to do in the ways that I pursued dance in college. So I was one of the captains of my college dance team, UC Davis Lashkara, and I think being on that dance team, it was such an incredible opportunity to tell stories on this really large platform because I grew up like watching Bollywood Berkeley and watching all of these competitions that are part of that college circuit. So I knew the impact that the people on that team and those teams had on so many people at such a young age. So I really wanted to use that platform to continue to tell stories. So when I was captain of that team, we performed about um, 
the dangers of drinking and driving, um, social anxiety and how, you know, in this like super fast paced world, it's really hard to just take a minute to step back and breathe. So I think being able to tell stories on that kind of platform was so rewarding. And being on a competition team, I, we tend to fixate on like the awards, but I think one of the biggest things for me was always after we perform that if people telling us like, you know, like your performance, like it touched me, like I felt something that was, I think one of the most special feelings like in the world. And I'm so grateful that I had that opportunity. And other than that, I, when I was in college, I um, double majored in dance. So I got to really look at the value of a dance education and how, you know, it shapes you as a person because there's something so special about being in like a dance studio environment and working with people in these kind of, I guess, unorthodox ways that you wouldn't work with them, say, like in a regular classroom setup. So one of the things that I really got to focus on as a dance major was um, the concept of embodied practice. And that's basically saying that when you're working in a dance studio, when you're in this like really chaotic environment, these kind of abstract concepts like collaboration and um, spatial relations, they suddenly become like tangible and concrete. So that was something super interesting. And I think moving forward, I really want to continue to like merge those two things to I guess continue to explore to continue to tell my stories and create spaces where people can also like tell their stories and be vulnerable. I started creating like um, my own dance pieces like on YouTube and the first piece that I created was also about you know some a story that was pretty personal to me and something that I kind of struggled to verbalize for a really long time in my life. So being able to have dance as a platform to do that was, you know, I'm always going to be so grateful for that. And I just want to continue to explore that as, you know, now that I'm done with college, I don't know how exactly I'm going to pursue dance, but I think that storytelling aspect has stuck with me and I want to see where that takes me. Yeah, country what about you? Yeah, so for me, um, since I'm, I'm not in college yet, so I haven't had as big of a platform to explore my dancing, but even in high school, um, it's been so touching to, like I said, be able to lead in ways that I didn't think possible. Like at Aerodance, I've taught like all ages from toddlers to teenagers. And as part of my graduation curriculum, I taught a group of 20 teenagers. And this was honestly like extremely intimidating, teaching people who are basically my age and kind of having like a sense of authority over them like as a really shy person I was like wow like how am I going to get them to listen to me but <laughs> as I thought back to my years of dance training like I realized that me and our teacher Ranjianti like we have such a genuine connection because of the morals that she instilled in us and kind of just that really empathetic and empowering student-teacher relationship. So I kind of started trying to implement that as I taught the teenagers. Like I would not only teach them the movements, but also maybe like insert a few stories when in there, sorry, <laughs> a few stories once in a while about maybe how dance helped me combat my like self-esteem issues. And the more I 
verbalized my passion for dance, the more it was reciprocated. And that was very heartwarming to see because like, it's just, dance is such a beautiful way to see the impact of your actions like tangibly there. Like when you see that finished product on stage, like not much else parallels like the satisfaction that you feel. So yeah, I'm really thankful I, dance has given me that. Yeah, and I think, I think empathy plays a really big part of this too because you're connecting with your students and they're connecting with the audience um, and you're all able to tell this one story together. So whether it's storytelling um, for Kajal or for Kanchan and both of you guys being leaders um, in your dance places, what inspired you to start hosting these workshops together? I think from like the minute quarantine started, we every day we were in our garage learning a different like dance piece like on YouTube. And I think, you know, being in quarantine, um, it definitely has an effect on your mental health. And it was really hard, I guess, for both of us to adjust to like this new sense of normal in the beginning. And we found that dance was really a light for us and a way for us to find like happiness in these kind of dark times. So um, I think we really wanted to one, like share that feeling with people and to use that as, you know, a way to do more than just like create happiness for ourselves. We wanted to use this like really incredible art to maybe like do more for our community. So we were also inspired by a lot of our friends in like our era dance community who had been hosting workshops before. You want to talk a little bit more about that? Yeah. So, um, our friends at Aerodance, some, some, sorry, I cannot speak, but several of my teammates have been hosting in-person workshops before quarantine and Zoom workshops. And we honestly just fell in love with the idea, especially because there's a lot of really tragic things going on right now. And we want to try, we just wanted to try and help out in whatever way and as great of a magnitude as possible. And it was really heartwarming to see like, wow, like people are actually signing up. Like we're actually um, getting a lot of funds. Like, yeah, it was just crazy to think that just us two kind of bored in our garage could make such a big impact doing something that we love so much. So yeah, yeah. I definitely hope we can host more Zoom workshops in the future. Yeah, I think it was a really fun way for us to like bring our community, our different communities together to work towards these, you know, these really urgent causes. And as, as dancers, we figured that the best way that we could give back to our community was, you know, like through dance. So it was a really rewarding experience and definitely something that we want to continue to do. Yeah, and I think that's exactly why I wanted you guys to be on this podcast, because you're literally using your passion and your love for something and sharing that with the rest of the community, not only through teaching dance, but also giving those funds to people who need it. And that's just amazing. Um, so what were some of the hardships that you faced during this process of trying to spread social justice? And what's a piece of advice maybe you can tell someone in our audience today? I think one of the things that we kind of struggled with, especially more so when we were doing a workshop for the Black Lives Matter movement is we wanted to make sure that, you know, we were using our platform appropriately. And one of the things we were really cautious about when we were doing choreography, when we were um, 
when we were choosing songs, all those little things, we really wanted to make sure that, you know, we were using our platform to help the movement, but at the same time, we didn't want to try to, we didn't want to focus the narrative on ourselves, if that makes sense. So we made the decision to, you know, not do a piece that was about the Black Lives Movement, Matter Movement, because it's not our story to tell, but rather as dancers, just try to use our platform to um, try, just try to, one, bring a little bit of happiness during this kind of dark time and just do the most that we can to create like that kind of tangible change. So that was, I guess, when you're doing these charity workshops, especially for um, movements like the Black Lives Matter movement, it's really important to make sure that you're being respectful to the movement and you're not focusing on it on like yourself. And yeah, that was something that was a little bit difficult to navigate. Right. And in any form of activism, it's definitely a matter of just constantly educating yourself and constantly expanding your mindset. Like I know there were a lot of times where we would have, we would like have one opinion about the movement, but then it would quickly come to light that that was inaccurate or that was like maybe distasteful. So it's definitely important for anyone who's trying to take part in any activism to definitely um, accept your mistakes and be willing to yeah. move forward. To normalize changing your opinion, I think that's huge. And that was definitely part of this process for us. 100%. Like one thing that happened, like we, for our first workshop, we called our dance style urban contemporary. And now we learned that, you know, the word urban is not the right choice at all. So making all, so there's a lot of changes happening in the dance industry right now and in really acknowledging where our roots are and where we're getting a lot of our inspiration from. So I think there's just a lot of increased consciousness and awareness that is so important right now. And just being able to incorporate all of that in, a, in our workshop was, um, I don't, I don't want to say it's challenging because it was, it's work that needs to be done, but it definitely kind of just opened our eyes to a lot of, you know, a lot of things about our dance community, about our dance styles that we didn't realize before. Yeah, definitely being conscious about everything and being willing to educate yourself about like something like the word urban. If we weren't trying to educate ourselves and actually be conscious that that's not something we should use, then no one, no progress would ever be made and we wouldn't have been moving further. So that's amazing. And that's definitely great advice um, for everyone here today. So what are some other ways that you are involved in the community and how do you think that others here can follow in your footsteps to help create your change? So when we graduated from um, from Aerodance, we were both registered as mentors for the United Nations International Dance Council. And that is an organization that promotes cultural awareness of a bunch of different, of all dance forms and equality of different dance forms. So one thing that is, you know, I think that's especially coming to light right now is the kind of Eurocentric focus of the dance world, like the concept of you know ballet being the foundation of all dance forms versus ballet being the foundation of Euro eurocentric dance forms so i think one thing that we're both trying to do as part of this international dance council is really promote equal education and equal appreciation of all dance forms and the different types of value that they all bring um, outside of dance i think we're both involved in our communities in different ways too yeah so at my high school mission i was the head of the community service committee within the leadership class and this gave me like 
a really huge platform to contribute to various organizations, like whether holding blood drives, canned food drives. And my favorite project we did was um, hosting a charity fashion show, which was like a benefit singing, dancing, and modeling showcase. And I definitely love to incorporate dance into everything I do. So there was a lot of dancing in that. And that was around the time of the Australia bushfires. And we were able to raise over $2,000 for that while doing something we genuinely loved. And yeah, community service has just been such a huge part of my high school career, also with my involvement in Relay for Life at my school. So I'm definitely very excited to continue pursuing community service in college. Awesome. And as a small side about the Eurocentric dance behaviors, um, that was something really present in my school too, actually. Uh, I started uh, I continued a Bollywood dance team and not a lot of people since I went to a Catholic school actually knew that Bollywood was even um, a legitimate form of dance. So it's all about awareness. Um, and we do have time for one last question here. How do you girls plan to pursue dance in the future? I think we kind of touched on this, but um, for me personally, one of the, aside from, I guess this ties into the storytelling aspect and dance really helped me tell my own story as, you know, a South Asian growing up in the U.S. and having all these different cultural influences. Dance really created a space for me to explore my, like, the different facets of my identity. So I really want to try to, continue, like, create a space where other people can do that as well. And I'm lucky, lucky to be part of this dance community that has already allowed me to do that in so many ways. But you know, I want to do more. I want to bring in what I've learned through my dance major and bring in that extra value of like dance education, dance history into that space. So I think social media is going to play a really huge part in how I continue to explore dance and how, you know, I try to create a platform that allows dance to do what others, what it's done, what it, that allows dance to do for others, what it's done to me. So yeah, it's going to be really interesting to try to do that during this time of COVID, but I'm gonna do my best. Right, and as I enter college, I'm definitely just looking for ways to constantly educate myself outside of my major. Like as like a brown student in the Bay Area, it's very easy to just kind of try to take like all the STEM courses and finish as fast as possible and get into the career world as quickly as possible. But I definitely wanna use college to explore and take classes to further educate myself like not only about my major but about like social issues like perhaps like a class about like African or sorry like black culture like about dance history like there's so many different areas that I want to explore outside of my major and I'm very lucky to have college as such an easy way to do that so I'm definitely looking forward to that and definitely continuing dance through hopefully my college's dance team and maybe some independent projects as well. This is awesome and definitely keep all of us posted with any projects or workshops and webinars that you have. Um, I will be attaching both of the girls emails in the chat in case anyone has further inquiries but thank you girls so much for talking with us today. Thank, thank you for you. having us. This platform is so incredible. <laughs> I being yeah. here. Thank you for doing awesome. this.
Seriously. Of course, guys. And I will be posting my email address in the chat if anyone has questions about what cause inspires you podcast series, as well as posting the application form to be a speaker. We love hearing about all the actions that youth are taking. And be sure to also follow our Instagram and Facebook pages to stay updated on any scholarship opportunities, um, future podcasts and events as well as we will be posting any resources from all of our previous speakers that they might have for any audiences. And speaking of future podcasts, next week on Wednesday, July 22nd at the same, or sorry, 15th at the same time, I'll be on with Crystal Chen while she discusses her organization space for us. But for now, I will open up the floor to questions. So feel free to type them in the chat. I think we have a few questions here. Um, the first one's from Jonathan. He's asking the combination of art and activism is such a powerful way to convey a message. What other tips do you have that could be applicable to using any art form to speak up for a cause? I think one of the biggest tips that I have is, I mean, what we kind of touched on, making sure um, that you're using you're truly using the art as a platform and you're not using it to tell your own stories in the process i think that's really really important to be able to i guess step away from your own narrative and use your platform as a way to um you know really tell the stories that you're trying to tell and i think the really powerful thing about art any type of art is that it's on it seriously communicates things in ways that words can't and I think, you know, any type of art is just so powerful in being able to convey these really hard to articulate messages. So um, I think just be unapologetic and be respectful. And yeah, I think, I think the fact that you're even thinking about using your art to create change and to tell these messages is super important. So I just, yeah, I really encourage you to, to do that. Yeah, especially the be unapologetic point. Like, don't be afraid to express yourself and really convey your true message. Like, of course, while being um, conscious and being respectful, but don't be afraid to express yourself, like she said, in ways that words necessarily can't. And I guess one more thing that I'd say is a platform of any size is a platform, even if your art touches one person and you know, it has an impact on a single person, that's still one more person than before. So re like, just go for it. Like, that's what art's for. It's for telling stories. It's yeah. for creating these like really powerful messages. So yeah, yeah. Just, just do it. <laughs> awesome, we have a question from Devin actually too. The first one says, when you dance, are you guys mostly more focused on telling a story or just having fun? I think dance is such a versatile thing that it it doesn't have to be one or the other. Like I like we use dance for so much in so many different ways. Like like we said, when we're just bored in our garage, dance can be such a fun thing, such such a way to just like escape like whatever's going on. But at the same time, like we also really enjoy using dance. Um, as a platform to express a message. So it really doesn't have to be one or the other. Yeah, I think even when we're using dance to tell a story, like we're having fun in the process. Yeah. And even if we're like taking a dance class and it's just solely for fun, like so, like getting in character and like playing like 
a character with their own narrative during the class is some is an exercise that a lot of dance instructors do to just I guess help you really get more into a piece so I think the two are they're not mutually exclusive you can do both and yeah you just do whatever you need to like serve you in that moment awesome and one more is Indian classical dance easy to learn no <laughs> it's, I think it's one of the hardest dance forms that I've had to learn personally like it's, it's very intricate is what I would say like focusing on like the hand mudras the leg lines and also when we look at very traditional Indian classical such as Bharatanatyam like you tell very elaborate stories like yeah. extremely extremely elaborate and you have to completely switch characters in like the blink of an eye so it yeah. definitely takes a lot of practice to master that yeah and I think that like what you said um the fact that in Indian classical dancing part not the what which is what we grew up learning the fact that storytelling is a really like essential component of that dance style. I think that really influenced our outlook on all types of dance styles. And I think Indian classical dance requires a lot of discipline, but if you are considering learning Indian classical dance, definitely do it because it's never too late to start. <laughs> yeah, and it's, it has a really powerful impact on you. And just, I think it shaped us a lot as people. So definitely take a class if you can. <laughs> Awesome. And if anyone has a question or two, we have time for maybe one or two more. Um, just feel free to type it in the Q&A section or even in the chat. I will add on to the classical dance thing, though. I did try Kathak for a few years, um, and it is very difficult, uh, very intricate, and need a lot of rhythm <laughs> to go along with it. But. Yeah, that's honestly what I love about Indian classical dance, like having done both Indian and Western styles, like the precision in Indian dance, I feel like it's unmatched by any other style. Like just as we're familiar with like ballet, the various techniques and postures, like styles like Kathak and Bharatanatyam each have like vastly different sets of techniques of their own. And I think it's so cool how even within one country, so many different cultures with so many vastly different dance styles, like that's one of the things I really appreciate about Indian culture in our upbringing. 100%. All right, the last question for tonight. Um, what is the largest class you guys have ever taught? And I'm gonna add a little bit to it. What was the impact that you have seen um, on that class? Like, how did you feel after? How do you think that your students felt afterwards? Um, well, I guess for me, I think the largest class I taught was one that, a workshop that I did with my college dance team, Lashkara. Um, I think one of our workshops, I don't remember exactly what the turnout was, but it was, there were so many people that we had our dance studio space. There were too many people to fit. We had to like open the back door and there were people like going back out into the, par into the parking lot. But I think being able to like have a platform that's so large that you can have that many people come to attend your workshops is so powerful and it was just a really incredible experience to really like challenge people and force them to kind of step out of their comfort zones and I think the, the coolest part about like teaching a dance workshop or just teaching dance is gen in general is like maybe like you'll show a step and people will be like I could never do that 
and then for them to leave class being like wow like I actually did that I think that does so much for your confidence and for it's so empowering to be able to you know like do something that you never thought you could do so that was a super that was an amazing experience and to be able to like talk to people after the class and hear them say how you know our performances have impacted them and how um you know like the team inspires them that it really makes you aware of the platform you have and i think it kind of it you know it made me super conscious about how i wanted to use that platform so it was really awesome okay and for me it was this is a little bit more like lighthearted, but for my school's senior year homecoming um i led the volleyball performance and that was 64 people definitely the most people i've ever worked with and obviously homecoming is a very like casual thing where a lot of people who have never danced in their life let alone done any indian dance participate so that was definitely a very eye-opening experience for me like it was so great to break down the steps and then see people who had literally never taken a dance class in their life get it and see that like satisfaction on their face and just the energy of the whole performance and the overall enthusiasm was just so such a rewarding experience awesome thank you so much girls this is amazing and thank you for everyone watching um we hope to see you again in next week's podcast thank you thank you